0: pray father in heaven moments like this we are so utterly dependent upon the third person of the trinity the person of the trinity who does not seek to be known but seeks to make another known O Holy Spirit, would you come and fall on us now as we open our Bibles and as we seek to know, first of all, more of our great and cavernous need for you as we look at the sin of sloth. And secondly, I pray that you would, as the text has encouraged us, help us to fix our eyes, to rivet our attention on Jesus, the founder, the author and perfecter, of our faith fill us lord with zeal for the things of god may we learn from the pages of scripture how to put sloth to death we pray this in jesus name amen it's my privilege to invite you to open a bible right now if you haven't already to the book of proverbs old testament book of proverbs And if you'd like to use one of the red Bibles in the seats, the the text of uh, the book of Proverbs begins on page 527 in the red Bibles underneath the seats. Page 527 in the red Bibles. Well, I took a test this past week. Uh, It had 10 questions, and as it turned out, I I failed with flying colors. I wonder if I might share the questions with you, and we'll see how well you do. Um, now, there's no studying you could have possibly done for this test. The best thing to do is just be honest about your answers. In fact, the only way you can go wrong is to give a deceitful answers So just shoot straight. Um, think over the question and respond with a truthful yes or no, just in your own mind, right? This is harmless enough, right? Okay, let's begin. Number one Do you have a difficult time starting projects? Number two, are you are you prone to procrastination? Number three, do you have a difficult time finishing projects? Number four, when people are soliciting help for something, do you try to kind of slink down and keep a low profile so that somebody else might uh, step up and help? Number five, do you make a lot of excuses? If you're honest. Number six, would you be embarrassed if your employer knew how much time you spend surfing the web, chatting with friends, or just generally goofing off at work? Number seven, do you struggle to maintain a time of regular prayer and and Bible reading? Number eight, is your house constantly cluttered or in need of cleaning? Number nine, Do you have a lot of regrets about opportunities that you didn't seize? Number 10, do you pretend not to notice obvious messes or areas of attention, expecting somebody else to take care of them? Okay, exam's over. Put your pencils down. How'd you do? Not great, right? Now, if you struggle with that test, just rest assured you're not alone. Uh, these temptations are universal ones. In fact, all temptations are universal ones. 1 Corinthians 10:13 reminds us of that. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, which means that temptations are not different in kind from person to person. They might be different in degree from person to person, but not in kind. Now, those 10 questions were drawn from a book written a handful of years ago by a Christian leader named Jared Wilson. Um, all of, the, of all of the extra-biblical resources I've used so far during this sermon series, um, this book wins the, the prize for best title, now, which is saying a lot because some of the books on The Seven Deadly Sins have fantastic titles, but this one takes the cake. This book is called Seven Daily Sins, How the Gospel Redeems Our Deepest Desires. Isn't that helpful? seven daily sins, how the gospel redeems our deepest desires. In fact, in the opening passage of the book, uh, it just disarms you immediately. This is what Wilson, the author of those 10 questions, writes. He says, warning, don't read this if you're not prepared to hear from a guy who procrastinated writing a chapter on sloth. But if you want to study sin from an expert, I'm your man, end quote. That's good, isn't it? Now, just because the temptation to this week's deadly sin is universal does not mean it's not absolutely mission-critical to get a handle on. On the contrary, sloth, by its very nature, flies under the radar, doesn't it? It keeps a low profile. And because of this, it can do significant damage, especially in the local church. In fact, if we don't get a vision for putting sloth to death, sloth will be the death of our 2020 vision. I'll say that again, that if we, don't, if we don't get a vision for putting sloth to death, if we don't catch it in the crosshairs and aim to shoot to kill with sloth, sloth will be the death of our 2020 vision. Our mission is to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Our 2020 vision includes baptizing 50 new believers, welcoming 40 covenant members, raising up 30 reproducing leaders, launching 10 community groups, establishing the Harbor Center for Biblical Counseling with five certified counselors, commissioning two families for global missions, and planting one church. Now, it may be obvious, but we need to ask the question, why is sloth such a deadly enemy to mission and vision? Well, let's begin by defining it. Our English word for sloth comes from the Greek term akadia, which literally means a lack of care. That's what sloth means, a lack of care. One resource I said put it this way. Sloth is apathy. It's comfortable indifference to duty and neglect of other human beings' needs. Sloth has more to do with being lazy about love than lazy about work. Sloth is an extremely powerful and serious vice, a vice that threatens one's fundamental commitment to one's religious identity and vocation. Now, does that sound serious to you? sounds serious to me. And given how well we did in our opening exam this morning, I'd just like to suggest that perhaps we ought to spend a Sunday on this one to take a long, hard look at this thing called sloth. First thing we're going to do in the first point is look at a a handful of very common manifestations of sloth in the book of Proverbs. Then we'll move to point two and we're going to feast our eyes on the remedy for sloth and how to put sloth to death. If we do not get a vision for putting sloth to death, sloth will be the death of our 2020 vision. So here's point number one. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast. And it's sloth, not sloths. I may confuse some of the younger ones in our room and think, why are sloths eating mission and vision? Sloth. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast. Now it does it through three things. Number one, laziness. Number two, carelessness. Number three, excuses. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast for, through laziness, carelessness, And excuses, let's take each each in turn. Number one, laziness. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast through laziness. The book of Proverbs is is an absolute goldmine. It's a biblical goldmine in the Bible for this particular topic. The word sloth appears six times in the Bible, half of them in the book of Proverbs. And even more significantly, the word sluggard, the noun sluggard appears in the Bible 14 times And all of them, every last one of them, are in the book of Proverbs. And may the imagery not be lost on us. When the Bible takes on this sin, it does so by way of satire, doesn't it? Think about the animal imagery here. Sloths and slugs. And though both of them are God's creatures, neither one of them are a particularly noble way to speak of a human being. That's the point. Now, there's two primary ways that we see Proverbs speaking of laziness. The first is in getting started, and the second is in following through. Let's take a look at each of these in turn. First, getting started. Laziness in terms of getting started. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food and harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now we, found some, we find something very similar as we turn to Proverbs 26.14. Proverbs 26.14 we read, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Let's think about that for a moment. Let's, in fact, put those two together to see what the author is driving at. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. What does that mean? Well, it means that in the life of a sluggard, there is, mo- there is movement, there's just no progress <laughs> There's motion. There's just not forward motion. And the first way that we conceive of laziness is simply with the issue of getting started. I mean, think about our 2020 vision for a minute. Consider the goal of launching 10 community groups. You may be with us today, and you love that idea. Like, you, you get it. You understand why life change happens best in small groups. And that really fires you up. You know that when it comes to New Testament Christian discipleship that, that the tip of the iceberg is Sunday morning. And you know that for the one another's to take place in the life of a local church, you must be in small community with other believers. You know the value of this. Together alongside other brothers and sisters for the purposes of fellowship, prayer, study, meals together, you are sold on the concept here of life transformation. Just one problem. You haven't gotten started yet. Right? Like the sluggard on his bed, there's movement. There's just not forward movement. I remember when I first became a Christian, I studied small groups. I made a study of of how these things work, and I knew how they could work. I knew what they were supposed to do, and yet it was before I had even joined one. I think if there were a test on small groups, I could have passed it, but I hadn't actually joined one yet. Like the sluggard on his bed, there's movement, just no forward progress. So our goal of launching community groups, for example, only happens as each of the empty chairs in our groups are filled, filled with people like you. And furthermore, some of you are a part of groups that one day soon, maybe sooner than you think, are going to be in a position to birth a new group. You believe that starting fresh community groups is important, but you've also come to be rather attached the group that you're a part of and it's a little bit unsettling to think of leaving it that's understandable but if you truly hold this value you genuinely want to see group life multiply you'd be willing to give up your chair in your group you might even be willing to lead a new group sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast first through through laziness just getting started with our good intentions secondly in following through second manifestation of sloth is in terms of laziness, in terms of following through. Uh, Proverbs 12.27. Proverbs 12.27 says, Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man gets precious wealth. Similarly, Proverbs 19.24 says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Proverbs 26.15 says the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Now, the common denominator here is, is follow through, right? Now listen carefully. Listen back to Proverbs twelve twenty seven. I want to pick up a nuance here that we may have missed. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game. Let's just hold it up there. It may sound like with these Proverbs piling on that we're just adding, to, we're we're creating new categories of laziness. And in a sense, we we are. I mean, how slack can you possibly be, right? You're, You're hungry, you won't even cook your dinner over an open flame. And without a doubt, some of that's obviously here. But if we press into this verse a little bit, I think we'll see that there's more than meets the eye. For example, where did this slothful person's game come from in the first place? He hunted it down. He got out of bed. He put on his gear. He grabbed his weapon. He left from home for the hunt. He killed an animal. He's not that lazy. In fact, he's actually rather busy. Which brings us to a curious truth about sloth. Sometimes sloth is lazy. But other times, it's awfully busy. One author I read put it this way. Sloth, the slothful person, can be either a couch potato or a person who is very busy and active. Very busy, that is, trying to get what he wants without having to change or give of himself. So this is just a parenthetical point that we need to make here. Yes, we're talking about sloth in terms of of laziness, but sloth does manifest itself as busyness too. We talk about being crazy busy. I wonder sometimes if we're not lazy busy though. Right. It means that we can be a busy church and still not be a disciple-making church. We can be a church filled with programs, but one that's not building into the lives of people. We can have lots of ministry activity, but achieving very little. It's a sobering thought. So sloth manifesting itself as laziness in terms of, in terms of follow-through. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast through laziness. Secondly, sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast through carelessness. Through carelessness. Now, this aspect of sloth is made plain in one particular passage in Proverbs 24, and it's verses 30 to 34. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it, and looked, and received instruction. And then this familiar refrain A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Does this have anything to do with our 2020 vision? Yeah, This is a parable of our 2020 vision, actually. It's a, it's a cautionary tale for our vision. The field of the sluggard is property unmaintained, it's overgrown. It's real estate just left to the state of nature. It's an apt picture, too, of what a local church looks like when it's not well looked after. Through carelessness, people are left uncared for. And regardless of our goals, from evangelism to membership, from mentoring new leaders to sending out missionaries, the careful oversight of a congregation and each and every person within the congregation is huge. So much of our vision comes down to the unspectacular work of just paying attention to people. Now I realize I'm mainly preaching to our leaders at this point who help me with the oversight alongside me, but um, we need to be asking direct and pointed questions about every person in our fellowship among these, along these lines. Here's what I mean. Any given person in this fellowship, we want to know, in a church this size, we should know, where is this person spiritually? Each person here, what is their grasp of the gospel? Are they upside down on the gospel and do they, they need to get right side up? Do they need to take a step, a public step of the proclamation of their faith that's already there. They understand the gospel. They have put their faith in Jesus Christ, but they need to go public through the waters of baptism. Are they baptized believers, but they haven't yet come to take the step of joining our our covenant membership? Do they need to be challenged from becoming a believer to a covenant member? Are they covenant members and they're showing signs for gifting for leadership? What are we doing with these leaders? Are we putting them into place and equipping them and sending them into areas of significant responsibility, and on and on we go. All of this work is the careful work of shepherding and discipling and evangelizing a congregation. The Lord has given us the trust of all of these people, many of whom aren't even here today. And our vision will drift to the degree that we are careless with that trust. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast through carelessness. Lastly, sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast through excuses. Excuses sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast through through excuses. Listen to Proverbs 22:13. Proverbs 22:13 says the sluggard says there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Or very similarly Proverbs 26:13 says the sluggard says there's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the streets. Now it is true that there were lions in ancient Palestine. There were. They just lived in forests. They didn't live in old Jerusalem, as one commentator says, in in the streets of Israel's fortified cities, especially not in a fortified plaza area, bustling with soldiers and merchants and administrators, common people. So this is an excuse. It's just a really lame one. Do we do this in our sloth? Can we be tempted to think about our mission and vision this way, to come up with excuses like this sluggard? Of course we can. Take our vision for a counseling center, for instance. I mean, do you really know any other church in the West Metro that's trying to do something like this? Sounds like a lot of work to me. I mean, there are other counseling resources around, aren't there? And the training to become certified, it is is awfully intense. We're talking about an investment of years here, hours and hours of of study and observation and testing and supervision. And I heard one time, I think you could probably get sued in a counseling relationship if you do it wrong. You really want to open a church up to that kind of liability? Add to the fact that we don't even plan to pay our counselors a dime and we don't plan to charge for the counseling that we give. It's all rather unlikely, isn't it? You know what these are? These are excuses. And I've heard all of them. Some of them have come from me. Slothful people are full of excuses. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast, through laziness, through carelessness, or simply through excuses. And you're starting to see how if we don't put sloth to death, that sloth will be the death of our 2020 vision. Now, perhaps you want to hear some gospel this morning. I do. Let's hear some good news. That's all bad news. Let's go to the good news. Point number two. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot. Romans 12.11 commands us, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. That's an incredible command. Romans 12.11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Romans 12.11, it outlines the antidote for sloth. Sloth. For the disease of sloth. He plays slothful in zeal off against fervent in spirit in that verse. And here in the context, the word zeal, the word for zeal has to do with, with diligence and, and responsibility. But there's more because it's placed alongside this second word, namely the word fervent. These two terms together fervent zeal. Uh, the word fervent literally means to boil or to burn or to seethe. So Paul is saying here in Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal, be set on fire in your spirit as you serve the Lord. Or better yet, be set on fire by the Holy Spirit, burning, boiling, seething, smoldering for Christ. And this fervent zeal in Romans 12 is rooted in the gospel. That's the only place this could come from. Only grace could be the fuel to ignite this burning the broader context of romans chapter 12 is a response to the good news of salvation by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone and the type of fire that paul's referring to here it's not a single explosion that happens in a believer's life and then dies out rather he's indicating a slow burning fire that brings water to a boil and continues on in that steady state day after day week after month week after week month after month year after year decade after decade over the arc of a lifetime. Christian zeal is not a firecracker. It's a slow boil. You want to know who someone who has zeal? She's not here today, so I'll talk about her. Jeanette Madsen. Someone said that on Thursday at the Bible study, she was filled with passion for our, um, our variety show that we had. In fact, it came together largely because of Jeanette's insistence. And someone had at the Bible study had commented across the table, Jeanette, your zeal is contagious. It is. And it's not a flash in the pan. She is in her mid-80s and is about the most zealous believer I know. So it's not a firecracker, it's a slow boil. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot over the years. So as we close, let's just look at some four brief applications. Four areas of life in the local church that on the one hand can be sabotaged by sloth and on the other hand can be fueled by, by zeal. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot. Number one, first, for Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot for Christian fellowship. This past Wednesday, we began our study of the book of, of Hebrews. And one theme that struck me in a particular way is how the author deals with the topic of sloth. In Hebrews 5.11, the the writer to the Hebrews would have addressed a particular doctrinal issue, but he came to the conclusion that he couldn't. He found his readers unable to understand him in view of their spiritual immaturity brought on by, you guessed it, sloth. Uh, Hebrews 5.11, we read this. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. Now the word dull here in Hebrews 5.11 is the exact same word used just a handful of verses later in Hebrews 6.11 and 12 and it's translated sluggish. Hebrews 6.11 and 12 says, And we desire each one of you, each one of you to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope to the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then this familiar text, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, the author writes, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but all the more gathering together as we see the day drawing near. So do you hear in these passages how sloth tends to trip up Christian fellowship? God's word wouldn't urge us to meet together if it weren't awfully tempting not to. It's incredibly tempting. As we've said before in this church, nobody falls away from Jesus. They walk away one step at a time, one meeting at a time, one discipline at a time, one relationship at a time. Very little in the surrounding culture is conducive to Christian fellowship We can't look around the West Tonka area and find passion for this sort of thing. Most people in the West Tonka area aren't atheists. They're just apatheists, right? And only more so as the weather gets nicer. Remember our definition of sloth. Sloth is apathy, comfortable indifference to duty and neglect of other human beings' needs. Sloth has more to do with being lazy about love than lazy about work. So there's no doubt that sloth poses a massive Massive threat to our Christian fellowship. Only Holy Spirit-fueled zeal for the local church can combat this. Zeal is a flame that keeps Christian mission and vision burning bright through fellowship. Secondly, zeal is a flame that keeps Christian mission burning bright and hot for conflict resolution. This one was surprising to me this week. It's become very obvious as I've dwelt on it some more here zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot for conflict resolution now please don't misunderstand i I don't mean to be saying that zeal leads us to have a craving for conflict that's not what i'm saying for conflict resolution rather this is a passion for peacemaking zealous people are passionate for peacemaking listen to the way that the author of the hebrews puts it in hebrews 12 12 and following he wants to treat the symptoms of sloth that do damage to peacemaking and conflict resolution. Hebrews 12, 12 and following says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone. Those five words, strive for peace with everyone, come right on the heels of a very passionate call to zeal. Because avoiding conflict resolution is a common symptom of sloth. Do you know that? Think about it. The Bible calls us not to let the sun go down on our anger. That's what we looked at last week the sin of anger. Why does God do that? Because of sloth. Conflict resolution can be hard work, and we are lazy, we are careless. We have a million excuses not to go through it. In other words, what I'm saying is this, is is many breakups, whether we're talking about the breakups of marriages or breakups of local churches, they come back to this issue of sloth. Whether we're talking about that late-night conversation that you need to have with your spouse before your head hits the pillow, or it's that long overdue conversation with somebody else in your local church. Zeal motivated call is the same. Hebrews twelve twelve to fourteen. You say, Oh, but I'm so tired. I mean, wouldn't it just be just as easy to find a new spouse or find a new church? And I would say to you, Hebrews twelve, twelve, lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed strive for peace with everyone strive for it zeal's a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot for conflict resolution third zeal's a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot for personal holiness for personal holiness this application just comes along for the ride in view of the last one cuz it's it's in the same passage of hebrews 12 12 to 14 Listen to the whole thing again. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet so what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone. There's conflict resolution. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's personal holiness. I I hope you believe that this morning that there is a holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So this verse is about combating sloth, but it's also about doing so through a commitment to sanctification. One of the most chilling things I read all week came from author Rebecca DeYoung in her book on the seven deadly sins called Glittering Vices. This is what she says. Listen to this. Sloth sabotages sanctification. Sloth sabotages sanctification. The sloth, the slothful are inwardly unwilling to be moved. They are stuck between a self they cannot bear and a self they cannot bear to become. That will repay some meditation if you write that down. Sloth sabotages sanctification. So you're stuck between the self you cannot bear, that is the self that you currently are, And the self that you cannot bear to become. The one that Jesus is calling you to become in holiness. Zeal to slay the sin in our lives. We cannot drift into sanctification. And holiness does not come about apart from a conscious effort to turn away from all known sin in our lives. All of it. All known sin. Pride, envy, sinful anger. And now we can add to that list this week's sloth. Next week we'll add Greed, and then gluttony, and then lust. As I mention these sins, did you come in defeated this morning? Did you barely squeak in the door for worship today? Overcome by one or perhaps a combination of these. Defeated by the same old temptation and sin. Do you know Jesus? Are you indwelt by the Holy Spirit? If so, then you need to hear Hebrews twelve twelve and following. Lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. Make straight paths for your feet and in the strength that he supplies, strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Amen? One final application and we're done. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot for personal evangelism. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot for personal evangelism. Now, Colossians 4, 2-6 is easily my favorite passage in the Bible on the nature of evangelism. And the reason why it's relevant for us this morning is that Paul is swimming upstream against sloth the whole way. Let's listen to him. Colossians 4, 2-6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. So Paul's steps of personal evangelism in Colossians 4, 2-6, they come down to, to 4. Words and you can rhyme them together. Prayer, care, share with unbelievers. Prayer, care, share. For Paul, that's the recipe for making much of Jesus in the lives of lost people, people that are far from him. But notice how each one of these is threatened by sloth. Nowhere does sloth tend to be more obvious in the 21st century church in our nation than when it relates to evangelism. Why? Laziness, carelessness, excuses. So let's put those away. We've seen two people come to Christ in this church over the last two years and go public with their faith through water baptism. And we have 48 to go in the next three years. You say, that's not possible. And I would say, well, apart from Jesus, you're right. You're right. But God calls into existence the things that don't exist, is that right? And we have at least that many households in this church. Each household reaching a single person over the next 3 years. That's possible. That's possible. So, this is an appeal for your list of 5. If you don't have a list of 5, I invite you not to leave here without one. We've got cards and fellowship hall on that table as you leave. Get a list of five, and if you have a list of five, are you on your knees for your list of five? Are you moving your feet toward your list of five? Are you opening your mouth with your list of five? Don't be slothful about evangelism this next season. Zeal is a flame that keeps mission and vision burning hot for personal evangelism. All right, let's wrap up. If we don't get a vision for putting sloth to death, sloth will be the death of our 2020 vision. Sloth eats mission and vision for breakfast through laziness, carelessness, and excuses. Zeal is a flame that keeps Christian mission and vision burning hot for fellowship, for conflict resolution, personal holiness, and personal evangelism. This is the year, Mount Evangelical Free Church, this is the pivot year in our 2020 vision. In three years' time, and you can bank on this in three years time we will look back on 2017 as the tipping point in our vision all that remains to see is just which way are we going to tip in the words of hebrews 12:2 and following may i encourage us to lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely looking to jesus the founder and perfecter of Of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Friends, our Savior himself is interceding for us. How can we fail him? Our mission is to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ, so let's give it everything we have over these last 34 months until January 2020 as we chase our 2020 vision. Next week is the fourth Sunday of Lent. Fifth Sunday in our preaching series entitled Slaying the Seven Deadly Sins. One week from today, greed. We'll pick it up then. Right now, let's pray. Father in heaven, would you do the miracle of slaying the sin of sloth in our lives? Father, would you, would you get our eyes up and, and riveted onto our Savior, risen, reigning with you. May our eyes move outward in love for other people. May we be deeply devoted to the good of this local church and to the, the building up the body of Christ, Lord, all around us. May we be people that are zealous for evangelism. Lord, somebody was, was zealous for evangelism with us. I pray, Lord, that we would not be stingy with the gospel and that we would be lavish with it. We want to be increasingly aware of how this sin can trip up our vision, so grant that we would know how to put it to death, and may we have a slow burn brought to a boil that continues with a zeal for the things of you, O oh God. We thank you for our mission to be and make disciples of Jesus. May we chase that mission and our vision, our 2020 vision, with great joy and with all of the strength that you supply to the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' holy name we pray it. Amen.